Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a column. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got holes on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. If we find one, we'll let you know. Talk show host, help wanted, seeking here at the worldwide headquarters of Galaxy Communications. On a hump day Wednesday, middle of a very, very busy time in the sports world. Baseball postseason underway last night. A rousing win for the Yankees despite falling behind 3-0 in the first. And uh, steamrolling our way toward uh, two straight Syracuse football games in the Carrier Dome, the Orange, and Pitt on Saturday at 12.30. We'll get into right away this uh, breaking news on how Dino Babers apparently stayed silky smooth back in the day. He was a pit assistant, which people don't remember under uh, the highly thought of at one time head coach, Walt Harris. Walt Harris was like a big deal for a while and uh, never uh, really panned out for tremendous success for him, but he was a good coach at Pittsburgh. Pitt has had the upper hand in the series significantly in recent years, winning 13 of the past 15. The games have been close for the most part, even last year, which turned out to be a two touchdown game was a, a back and forth. Pitt was just able to hold serve a little bit better in a 76-61 game. We don't expect that you'll see anything like that on Saturday, if for no other reason than very rarely have we ever seen that, of course, in FBS history. It's the highest scoring game in, in uh, the history of the division, just to give you an idea. And uh, one where the Orange's quarterback that did the damage in that game responsible for seven touchdowns, Zach Mahoney uh, doesn't figure to even play in this game, and we'll talk with Dino Babers uh, later in this week about it. Hear it on the pregame show on Saturday. He points out, of course, that uh, Zaire Franklin and Paris Bennett, big parts of the Syracuse defense that uh, have has improved from last year to this year, but those guys have been stalwarts in the middle of the defense for years now, uh, were not available in that game due to injury for most of it. The idea that it has anything to do with this year, I think, is a questionable one uh, for a lot of reasons. Different coaches, different approaches, different players. My biggest reason that you're not going to see a game like that again is because when have you, right? There's not many 70-something to 60-something games in football history, so the likelihood that something like that repeats is not really there. And this Orange offense, while... Being decent, I don't think you can call it explosive just yet. They put up 50 against Central Connecticut. But uh, outside of that, while, yes, they've had their moments, it's not as though they're uh, racking up points in buckets. Uh, certainly didn't do it and didn't have enough at uh, LSU and NC State scoring in the 20s. I think you want to be capable of scoring in the 30s to think about winning conference games. Here's Coach Babers and his thoughts related to uh, last year's game and generally how sick it has made him feel. I've never been through something like that before. I've never, you really, you really didn't have time to think. I've got, if, now this is going to be a bad analogy, but maybe it's a good one. Did you, I want to say it was the uh, Hearns. Hearns had a fight with, who was the other boxer? That they were just throwing bombs and went about seven rounds. It was 
Hagler, Hearns versus Hagler, was one of those fights. If you're a boxing fan, the fight started, and you were like, oh, my God, how can they keep this pace up? It's back and forth. Somebody's not going to survive this thing. And it was one of the most amazing boxing matches you ever saw, and it didn't even go the distance. I think it was five or seven rounds. That's what that game reminded me of. You didn't even have time to make adjustments on the sidelines before your units were back out there. And you, it took your breath away, and you were totally exhausted after the game. Now, I was exhausted with a loss, and the other guy was exhausted with a win, but I think we were both totally exhausted, and it was something I've never been through. And I'm not sure I ever want to go through it again either, unless we're going to win the doggone thing. But it was, it was very taxing. Taxing in as much as watching your team give up that many points or to think that you're scoring 61 and losing uh, is gut-wrenching. The fact that that was the last game of the year uh, gave it, even that day and certainly in retrospect, sort of a uh, an exhibition game type feel. Uh, you knew it didn't really matter that much for Syracuse's fate. It was sort of the last hurrah. Can you beat Pitt on the road uh, to wrap the season? And uh, for Pittsburgh, uh, a different animal as well. This year, it's in the early part of the conference season. Syracuse, uh, for them, vital import on the game to uh, get to 1-1 one and one in the league with the next three games being ones where they will be significant underdogs against top 20 teams, two of those three on the road. If the Orange lose this game on Saturday, they're staring at a, a good probability of a six-game losing streak, and uh, then you've got the last quarter of the, the season where you would be trying to salvage something out of it uh, and forgetting about a bowl at that point, you'd be trying to just get back to your four-win total from a year ago. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse, brought to you by CNYRealtor.com, CH Insurance, and Burdick Ford. We thank them for being along for the ride. You can join us by phone at 437-7644. That's 4ESPN44. Guests on the show today include John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills. The uh, Bills off to a 3 and one start. Great win in Atlanta on Sunday. And Murph will tell us uh, about his vantage point there and what he thinks the Bills are capable of coming forward here and then we'll visit with uh, Tim Benz of uh, ESPN Radio Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh uh, Tribune Review. Uh, He was actually at that game with us last year, the last game of the year and get uh, his outlook from a Pittsburgh perspective on Saturday's proceedings. Bill Hillgrove, the voice of the Pitt Panthers and Pitt Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers will join us tomorrow as we kind of work our way toward a game preview here in the second part of the week. Well, last night, the opener of the MLB postseason, the Yankees in a one-game playoff. Even myself yesterday used the phrase winner-take-all. I'm not sure it's a winner-take-all because it's the winners advance to another round where they've got to uh, beat a very difficult team, in this case the Cleveland Indians, and the losers for them. It's, well, you got one game more than the regular season and back home. And tonight it is back home for the Minnesota Twins, who had a 3 nothing lead in the first inning of yesterday's game and did not hold it. We visited with John Shiambi on the show yesterday. Here's how he called it with Didi Gregorius at the plate and the Yankees down 3 nothing in the first. Santana kicks, fires. Swing and a ball rip. Right field. That one on its way. Ball. Didi Gregorius with one swing has tied this thing up. 3-3. Bottom of the first. Wow. Dito Gregorius, a significantly underrated Yankee, coming through with a huge moment there. Uh, all the talk yesterday, how long would the Yankees leave in 
Luis Severino, their starting pitcher. They've got this great bullpen. Can they get him through four, five, six? What if he's in the sixth and it's a close game? He didn't get out of the first. He got one out. And then Irvin Santana, who shouldn't have been flustered necessarily by that environment, who's not had a great record in his career at Yankee Stadium, but he's been there, done that. He's pitched in the postseason before. He's a veteran major league starting pitcher. Could not hold on to a 3 nothing lead. Uh, and then the Yankees immediately went ahead the next inning on a home run by Brett Gardner to go up 4-3. And the payoff. There it goes deep right. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Second deck. Oh, let the Guardy party begin. Gardner plants one in the right field seats. Oh, that Guardy goes Yardy. And the Yankees take a 4-3 lead. John Sterling, you can hear it here on TK99. John not, not dispensing with the jokes and the puns in a uh, postseason game. But uh, that gave the Yankees the lead that they, uh, I was about to say they wouldn't relinquish. They actually did in that it was tied at four, but they got some breathing room when uh, Aaron Judge remained hot. Swung on and lined to deep left field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Aaron Judge hit a line drive home run to left. A Judgean blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Another judgment day. Aaron Judge hits a two-run home run to left. A bullet, an absolute bullet into the seats over the auxiliary scoreboard. And the Yankees take a 7-4 lead. All right, now we're Shanghai in the show. I, I wasn't sure we were going to use that, and I hadn't heard all of that. We're, we're going to have to stop for a second here. He got so that is vintage Sterling, and that's why Sterling is an acquired taste, and he's a different animal. I was actually on the phone when that happened. I was talking to Wes Durham, who's got the game on TV. I think we'll have Wes on our show later in the week. That ball was an absolute bullet that might not have been more than 15 feet in the air the whole way. And I said, well, our boy John can't be saying it's high, it's far in this game. And it, it wasn't, and it wasn't a Judgian blast. A Judgian blast is a 480 foot home run that he hit a few of over the course of the season. Give me a break on that. So that's where, and God bless John. He came on the show. We love him. And uh, but that's what sets him apart from somebody who's actually doing <laughs> description of what is happening. He's going into the whole rigmarole, and and people love it. Uh, the whole rigmarole of the nicknames and the. Judgy and Blast and the Judgment Day and the He got what to the fact you, it was a bullet about he, he 15 did. seconds he into did. the call. <laughs> he, he got there, but it was not high and it was not far. It cleared the wall by a foot and had a lot of uh, top spin on it and was a line drive, which he did point out, but his uh, mechanism is to get right into the high and far nonsense. And as for the uh, game, the Yankee bullpen clearly won it as the uh, bombers were able to lean heavily on the strength of their team, Chad Green specifically, coming in to douse the Flames in the first, uh, leading to this as it ended. And the 0-2. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Ball game. And the Yankees win the wild card. They're moving on, and they'll take on the Indians in the division series. 8-4 your final. What a job of the Yankee bullpen here tonight. You know, our bullpen was remarkable tonight. The innings that they gave us, uh, the innings that David Robertson gave us, how they saved each other's runs, I mean, it was just remarkable. So 13 strikeouts by the Yankee bullpen last night. 
when you come in in the first inning, you have a chance to strike out 13, and uh, they racked them up. Yankees, with that, uh, get the right to move on to one of the hottest teams in the game, the Cleveland Indians, who are awesome in the second half of the season and had the long winning streak. Yankees will be underdogs in that, but uh, there was a bit of time where, well, certainly going into the season, it wasn't a lock. The Yankees were going to make the postseason. They got off to a, a solid start, then a, a swoon in the middle of the year, and uh, finished strong so that uh, in the last month or so, their postseason fate wasn't really in doubt. But uh, now they've got their work uh, cut out for them, taking on the reigning American League champion, Cleveland Indians, and you can hear those games on our brother station, TK99. So thanks to John Shambi who came on yesterday, ESPN, the courtesy for the calls there, and uh, more to come. The other um, Major League wild card is in the National League tonight as the Rockies take on the Diamondbacks. For us, we'll turn our attention to the Syracuse football game on the weekend for a bit here. Talk with uh, Pittsburgh longtime sports observer and talker, Tim Benz from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review and ESPN Radio Pittsburgh. That's coming up next in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. We are in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse here until 3 o'clock today, back Thursday and Friday. It's our first uh, full week of shows in a while. We're really having to crack the whip and get things done. Five shows in one week. Five hours of radio, actually, in one week is... A bit exhausting, and uh, I know somebody who doesn't want to hear it is our next guest, Tim Benz, who joins us from uh, ESPN Radio Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Hello, Tim. What's up, man? How are you? How are you? We're prying you away on Penguins opening day, I understand, so I appreciate the time. Yeah, actually, I'm doing two hours of radio myself tonight on a Steelers-specific show, so I actually won't be attending opening night, but you know... Banner raisings around here with the hockey team. We're so used to them. We've all seen them before. So, so last yeah. year, right? Uh, this one, yeah. I don't think it'll be the last one. Uh, yeah. I think they, I think they've got one more left in them at least. Wow, exciting times. We've got uh, it is. It is. And then they go on the road and play Chicago next for the road first first road game. That's going to be a good game too tomorrow night. Okay. Well, it's remarkable how brief the uh, hockey off season is in these places where they've made deep playoff runs. So here in an American Hockey League town, the crunch went all the way to the end, and their season's ready to start. We'll visit with Lucas Favalli, the new voice of the crunch on the show tomorrow. So hockey guys, uh, talk about grinding. They they certainly do it. The They have the shortest offseason in sports, it feels like. Yeah, didn't the AHL playoffs actually end after the NHL? I think they may have, playoffs? yeah. I think they did. I think they did, yeah. I mean, I, I remember that, how deep those AHL playoff runs go, too. And, and the uh, Calder yeah, Cup went to Grand Rapids. We did a on, like, June 17th or whatever we did it, and then, uh, you know, here they are in early September starting camp up again. I, I don't know how the players get their bodies to heal or recover from surgery or things like that. Or they could be Yaromir Yager, your boy, and he's, you know, 44 and <laughs> <laughs> still at it. Anyway, that, that's enough uh, hockey, hockey talk uh, for the time being. The uh, real important stuff I see trickling out today is that apparently uh, Charlie Partridge on the uh, Pitt coaching staff threw Dino Babers right under the bus from uh, a previous encounter when uh, they were on the staff together. Partridge had gone on to be a head coach himself. He's the D-line coach now at Pitt and said that uh, when they were both previously assistants under Walt Harris at Pitt, that uh, Babers used nair on his face in lieu of shaving. Wow, that's a new one. Can you confirm that? Have you ever run no, that by him? And, or you ever I'm upset. That, you? Have like you ever done the Dino Baber show a little bit too much scruff? And he said to you, you know what, Matt? I've got this great trick that'll work for you. 
I think we're going to have to ask him about it. And the, the thing that I'm most upset about it is I, I don't know what the origin of the uh, Charlie Partridge quote was, if it was from practice today or something like that. But I had just gotten from Coach Baber's office to settle in for the show, and I see that going across uh, Twitter. Syracuse.com has been uh, reporting that. So uh, breaking news on the Nair usage, and, and I know that it will come up as a topic on the Dino Baber show tomorrow. But he uh, – the the way the story goes from Charlie Partridge and I've, if I'm coach I'd be like hey dude really you got to be got to be telling the story but the the way the story is told that is he just plastered that stuff all over his his face and his beard and uh, got to the office and washed it off and there went the hair. Well, I was a uh, freshman at Sadler Hall at Syracuse University and we had a lot of I think we had like two or three rooms full of swimmers on our floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, on occasion, I would see in the trash dispensers in the you know the group bathroom empty bottles of Nair, which I believe was used to make them faster. You know, like so I don't know. Maybe Dino was Dino a swimmer at any point in his life? No, I don't think so. We can ask him. He's from from Hawaii. He's a sur- well, he's got a go. great great picture of surfing outside his office. But I, I think <laughs> this will uh, it brings about further discussion, and uh, we'll have to get into it. We'll have to see if he has any dirt that he wants to throw back or if he's upset about the uh, revealing of that. Well, you know, Matt, I'm sure that ESPN College game day will be at the next <laughs> Syracuse pick game in the future here at Heinz Field, and maybe a Pitt fan will walk around with a sign that says Dino uses Nair, right, and that right. will really get it. the fire stoked um, before next year's game. I'll tell you one way to make that happen is if this is another 70-something to 60-something game. You were uh, working with us there last year and, and just burning right through those pencils. Yeah, by the way, you know, I, I know that I'm the best free statistician that money can buy, but, yeah. you know, I'm still waiting. I thought I was going to get hazard pay for doing <laughs> that game, as it turned out. Look up. There's another another person scoring. Uh, you know, didn't it get to the point where by the end of that game, you just ceased calling the game? The two of us were pouring through. I think that's you right. had the Syracuse guide, I had the pick <laughs> guide, and we really didn't. You didn't call the action for like three, four plays at a time, and we were just pouring through. Yeah, it was more like the, the mo- time, most the this or that. Since... This many, the first time they gave up this many points, the last time this many points were scored, etc. Right. Uh, total yardage in that game. Uh, First of all, Syracuse rushed for 228, which is roughly their season total for this year. But total yardage, uh, 668, Pitt 644. There were the total yardage in there that were, game was uh, like the length of the Allegheny. There were seven touchdowns the in the That's fourth how long quarter. The, the total yardage was <laughs> seven touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone. Um, so that's where it got kind of goofy. But uh, I, I actually would sign up for something like that again. I think it's fun to watch, but it, it doesn't really feel like football. In fact, early uh, this year, I made a mistake on the the broadcast when I forget what the accomplishment was, but we we're talking about it, you know, the most yarded Syracuse had gained since or first 500-yard game since or whatever, and I, I blew that off because I knew, oh, they put up all kinds of yards against Pittsburgh. And then the next, I was past the note that said, First time Syracuse has scored fifty since this is in the opening game, and it no, they scored sixty one. Just happened to lose the game <laughs> yeah, last Saturday. In a win, last right? Year. In a win. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what's the, what are the big storylines from Pitt's perspective? The uh, idea that Max Brown was uh, benched and that apparently ha- has worked as a wake up call. He's the grad transfer from uh, USC, coming off a big game last week against Rice. 
Yeah, I thought they blew it by benching him before Georgia Tech. Uh, maybe they lose to Georgia Tech anyway, Matt. But I don't know why you work that hard to get a kid from USC. You think you're going to build your offense around him. Um, you know, you market him as much as they did as somebody who could take over for Nate Peterman. And then you throw them on the bench after they happen to lose to what will no doubt be the two best teams that they faced all year. You know, Penn State, I don't know what the numbers are now, but I know that Penn State going into the Georgia Tech game had allowed quarterbacks the lowest, sorry, sixth lowest of any team in the country in quarterback rating. They, you know, that's how good their defense was against quarterbacks. And, you know, you get that, and then what? It, you know, who's going to keep up with Oklahoma State? That game was lost on defense. You know, they put up 49 points in the first half, for crying out loud. So I, I thought they blew it by benching him going with Ben DiNucci, who's a nice player, but I don't think an ACC quarterback. And if they thought that Knox stunk against Georgia Tech, well, then, you know what? They basically had a preseason game in the middle of the season, sitting there for him for Rice to go to DiNucci. And then, you know, a team that might be of his level of competition in Syracuse next. But they got all out of whack. I think they overreacted. Uh, I think they saw Ben DiNucci run around and make a few plays with his legs and thought this is the way to go. And, and he's just, uh, like I said, I don't think he's an ACC quarterback. And maybe Max Brown isn't either, but uh, I thought they handled it poorly. So both have played. Brown uh, for the season is thrown for 836 yards, five touchdowns, two picks. DiNucci, 387 Two touchdowns, two picks. We're visiting with Tim Benz in Pittsburgh, ESPN Radio Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, which I have a hard time. That doesn't really roll off the tongue. The Tribune Review. Tribune. Tribune Review. The Trib. You can go with the Trib. Can. Yeah. You can say Trib yeah. Sports. That works. Oklahoma State, obviously, is a really good team. Put up huge numbers against Pitt. Uh, scored the 59 points. I think from here, people want to say, oh, gee, uh, the Pitt defense looks porous and, and Syracuse might be able to do something. But when you look at where the numbers have been put up by the Pitt opponents. They're by Penn State, who has the best individual player in the country, and Saquon Barkley. They're by Oklahoma State, who puts up numbers and yards against everybody, and Georgia Tech, who's a very unique attack. So I don't know that you take anything out of that and say they're uh, ripe for the picking by Syracuse, necessarily. Yeah, but I don't think they're any good, though. I, okay. I hear what yeah, you're no, saying, I, but yeah, I still don't think the defense is good. you got to remember that Georgia Tech had four drives stopped by fumbles that they turned the ball over four times and Pitt just couldn't capitalize on it. So I think the Georgia tech score could have been even higher. I I don't have a lot of faith in this Pitt defense. I do think Syracuse should in theory be able to score. Uh, I don't know how much Syracuse's defense can handle what Pitt is going to throw at them. It's not what it was last year. I'll tell you that they might hate Matt Canada down in LSU, but (laughs) I think Pitt fans would take him back here in a heartbeat. Uh, I think this game will be lower scoring than what it was last year. I still think Syracuse can find some spots to exploit in the secondary. And I would suggest that even the front seven isn't what it used to be. Um, You know, I I do think that they're getting some help now that Jordan Whitehead is coming back. That's good for them. But uh, honestly, Matt, I I, I don't think you're going to see the fireworks that you did last year. But I do think this will be a higher scoring game for Pitt and for Syracuse than maybe what both teams have put up on the board thus far this year. Yeah, no uh, Juan Price, no Aaron Donald, who's just a, a beast in his uh, young NFL career. And uh, I think for Syracuse, that is one of the uh, big parts of this matchup that Pitt also does not have Arden Key like LSU has or Bradley Chubb like NC State has. The The uh, bar has been very high the last two weeks with uh, the defensive studs that uh, Syracuse has faced, and, and you will face 
uh, with the schedule and getting back into uh, ACC play the rest of the way. Do, do you know that uh, Polly is a sidekick on this show, Tim? I did not know that. Is he, is he there right now? Yeah, I am. And I, 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 hi, just, hi, I just want to throw a PSA out there to people. Don't put an air on your face. I've been Googling that while you guys are talking. <laughs> I would highly recommend you don't put an air on your face. I may have to call BS on that because everything is near burn my face, near burn really? my face. Okay. Well, we'll ask him about that tomorrow. I don't think he was putting it on his legs. <laughs> so that, but, uh, I mean, let's not make any assumptions. I mean, we yeah, haven't well, gotten to know that, the coach all that well that's yet, true. have we? Well, hey, hey, whatever, man. Whatever floats your boat. I mean, we're still still getting to know... Uh, Coach Babers, he doesn't strike me as a uh, a nair on his legs uh, kind of guy, but uh, we'll delve in. We'll get to the bottom of it. I'm with Paulie though. I think that would give you a nasty rash. Yeah. Well, I, I like you and Paulie making peace and agreeing whenever you can, because I, I know you two have uh, a violent history. <laughs> well, well, wait, what was our violent not, history? Not violent. Maybe maybe, maybe volatile was the word I, w- I was looking for more, but. Uh, Maybe, maybe, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's 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 been a, a rocky road. Uh, we got the Grover coming on tomorrow, <laughs> but uh, Polly wants to uh, I think tee up one for the uh, Stillers. Yeah. Uh, quarterback play in Pittsburgh. Uh, are we seeing the end of uh, Big Ben here, or is it just the fact that Bell was out for the start of the season that's hurting the offense? I think it's a little premature. I think getting 26 in the road in Baltimore is like a sliding scale. It's like getting 40 at home against Jacksonville. He hasn't been that good. Uh, I'll give you that. He's been way better. But I don't think he's done yet. Uh, I think they'll I think they put up some points against the Jags this weekend. I think they got to figure out the offense and this balance between getting it to A.B. too much and, and then trying to spread the ball around and not give it to him enough. Um, I think things will work out by the end of the season uh, pretty well for Roethlisberger. I think he's still got enough in the tank. Maybe not like it was last year or the year before, but still enough to win. I, I still think they're an 11-win team. Antonio Brown going public with his gripe about not being targeted enough in a game where he got thrown to nine times. That's, that's pretty good. Maybe it's not enough. I don't know. If, best receiver in football, maybe there's never enough. Well, you know, Roethlisberger had said going into that game, he felt like he was zoning in on AB too much and not getting the ball to other receivers. So I think he had a predetermined agenda to uh, spread the ball around. But, you know, the thing where he flipped out and threw the water cooler uh, towards the field, that wasn't about him throwing somewhere else. It was about not throwing A.B. because he was wide open. But then, you know, kind of misread the defense there, admitted as such, and said, I thought the only place to go at the time was to uh, Le'Veon Bell. And um, A.B. just needs to chill out. I'm just surprised he didn't scream his apology on Facebook Live. Yes. I hear he's pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> like, bring it all full circle. Maybe Tomlin could at least tip his cap to that for uh, for the effort and the personality. So, Tim, we appreciate the visit as always and uh, look forward to catching up with you at some point. I don't imagine that you're going to make your way to the, the Carrier Dome this weekend or we would have already heard, but uh, we'll be thinking about you in spirit, okay? Yeah, I was actually uh, hoping to do so, but uh, I got to pull double duty on Friday. As it turns out, with the early game, it was going to be a little tight turnaround then to come back here for the early game on uh, on Sunday too for the Steelers. I wish I could. It's been too long. I need to get up there again and uh, hope to do so. And I'll catch up with you when we do. And if nothing else, we'll see you here at the Pete when basketball rolls around. You got it. Looking forward to it, my man. That is uh, Tim Benz of the Trib in Pittsburgh joining us and got a lot going on there. He's involved with the Steelers and the Penguins and and uh, a lot of other things there in Pittsburgh as a uh, regular reporter and radio talk show host and a lot of stuff. So good stuff from Timmy Benz. When we come back, we'll head to Western New York and get into the Buffalo Bills, who are 3-1 and one and atop the AFC East. 
John Murphy, Syracuse University alum and the play-by-play voice of Buffalo Bills football is our guest next in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Play action fake. Brian fires right side. Incomplete. Incomplete. Intended for Taylor Gabriel. Incomplete. And the Buffalo Bills are going to come out of Atlanta with a victory over the unbeaten Falcons. Well, that's how it sounded on Sunday afternoon. A big win. One of the best road wins in recent memory for the Buffalo Bills as they knocked off Atlanta on the road at the beautiful new stadium there. And back from that trip is our friend John Murphy, the voice of the Bills. You can hear those games on our brother station, K-Rock. And uh, Murph, good to hear from you. And uh, it was good to hear you on that day. Be excited because uh, Bills fans are awfully happy right now. Yeah, that'll happen, right, with a couple of uh, big wins like that. Mm -hmm. Back-to-back wins against teams that were previously unbeaten. Uh, To win on the road against the defending NFC champions, uh, just have to struggle to do it. I mean, even with the injuries the Falcons had, uh, they showed a lot of heart and determination. They weren't going down easily. So it was a fun game, and it's been a great couple of weeks around the Bills. I'm sure. And to be exciting, you know, at this time where it sort of coincides with uh, the Patriots are still struggling to figure it out. Our friend Matt Patricia from uh, VBS High School down the road here has got his hands full. The Patriots are historically bad by their standards uh, defensively, and, and that's uh, another of the reasons that the Bills are atop the division. Yeah, and you know it's a weird schedule this year for the Bills because they played the they open against the Jets and they don't see another division team until uh, you know they finally get to. Um, well, I'm looking at the well, schedule the here. We got to go to the Jets, yeah, Jets again, November second. So yeah. we don't even see the Patriots until December, and then you see them twice. They don't even see the Dolphins until December. They play them two of the last three weeks, and I, I'm trying. You know, I don't want to sound like a coach, but I'm trying to stay focused on what's in front of us here in Buffalo from my perspective, and I just know it's a long way between now and December when we finally get the Patriots and things will change you know and I've kind of adopted a philosophy and this is not coach speak I really believe this it is a week-to-week league in the NFL and every week situations change uh, teams injury status changes the way teams are playing uh, and it's not just the Bills it's their opponents it's the opponents of their opponents so who knows what it'll look like when they finally get a crack of the Patriots in December but um, I, I would not you know I would not count them out just yet they're a championship team championship caliber, caliber team struggling a little bit right now but I, I'm not ready to, to you know bury them at all no question about it and, and time to figure it out as you pointed out you know the other part of this it's week to week also means you don't need to apologize and and I noticed you know just watching um, as an outside observer to the bills as we do that a lot of that win over Atlanta was quickly followed with well but Mohamed Sanu and, and Julio Jones <laughs> were were out for part of it you don't have to give the win back because of that, no. right? No, and you know what, Matt? I came across this when the Bills opened the season, beat the Jets. Clearly, the Jets were bad that day, and they've won a couple of since then and are playing better. I don't think they're going to have a great season, the Jets, and we all know that their roster is, is you know bereft of talent. But at the end of the year, if they get their wins against the Jets, you know who else is probably going to win twice against the Jets? The New England Patriots. And they won't give those wins back either. You know, Nobody will say, well, Patriots, you won 13, but really only 11 because two were the Jets. No. Those wins count. You know, it's the NFL. And, and the difference in talent between teams uh, is not as great as it is in, in college football, certainly, and many other sports. And, uh, no, those wins count. And you pretty much earn every victory you get in the NFL. Last year, at the or two years ago at the Carrier Dome, we saw Tredavious White return a punt for a touchdown and a first-round pick of the Bills. Big 
fumble recovery and return in in that game in Atlanta. Uh, in your time of watching the Bills and and, and uh, the NFL in general, uh, what a boost it is to score on defense or to have in general a playmaking defense. Uh, what what type of uh, turnaround and, and thrill do you see there? Yeah, I still can't believe that the call went the way it did, even surviving a replay review. But there it is. You know, they're not giving that one back either and not apologizing for it. Uh, it it's great. You know, they the Bills played week two, uh, a tough game at Carolina, lost it 9-3, to three, uh, kept the Panthers off the scoreboard, and came away with a loss. And as well as they played defensively in that game, almost to a man in the locker room after that game, they talked about how, yeah, we played all right, but we didn't get any takeaways. We didn't take the ball away. We got to turn them over. And the last couple of games, they've got five takeaways and it's made all the difference in the world you know it sets up the short field it uh it um you know it snuffs out drives obviously keeps them off the board it makes all the difference in the world and and Tredavious play you know with a, a scoop and score you know picking up a, i guess what was a fumble and running it in i you know it's a weird call i'm surprised that the call went the way it did but i also have to salute the mentality that the coaching staff has instilled in these players and you've seen it man you watch practice and the ball will be on the ground and they're always uh, schooled to you know pick it up and go go you know you don't know how it's going to turn out well for all the times i've seen that in practice and kind of thought to myself yeah right okay let's <laughs> let's move on to the next play there it was you know a play that looked pretty unlikely to stand as a touchdown but it did mostly because tredavious white didn't give up on it loose ball picked it up didn't hear a whistle kept running until he found the end zone i give him a lot of credit for that and the coaching staff a lot of credit for hammering that home to these players funny thing about football that people may have noticed uh, the ball is not round so it's uh, therefore <laughs> hard to predict the bounces yeah. of it and uh and, and and it can go either way and, and certainly can change games. We're visiting with John Murphy, voice of the Bills. And Murph, with Sean McDermott coming in, it's far from the first coach you've worked with or far from the first guy who comes in and says, hey, we're going to turn this around. What ingredients have been there in terms of successfully implementing his culture? Because his predecessor had a different one and the guy before that had a different one. Yeah, that's a really good question, and I think it's definitely a work in progress, you know, and uh, Bills fans are a little bit over the moon now after the win over the Falcons and talking about culture change. We have culture change. Well, I don't know that four games constitutes culture change, but I think you have the beginning of it, and it goes all the way back to April when the players came back here for the spring workouts, and it's mostly about a sense of, uh, I, and I, I'm going to say discipline, but I don't mean yelling and screaming and cracking the whip. I mean a disciplined approach to the work, you know, it's how we practice. Here's how we meet. Here's Here's uh, what we do in this situation, you know, and here's the stuff we'll go over and over and over again. It's that kind of discipline, which I think you're beginning to see uh, pay off for the Bills. It's uh, it's an organizational philosophy, too, and that's, I think, uh, the major part of culture change, you know, uh, putting football first and making sure that the football team has what they need and uh, the rest of us are here to support what they need to win games, and that's been big. But as I said, it's just, a, it's just getting started. I mean, I feel like we've just taken the first few steps down that road. The results are very promising uh, so far, very positive, uh, especially given the, the last two weeks and the last two wins over quality opponents, but there's a long way to go and uh, I think, you know, to truly affect culture change, you're probably talking about a period of years um, if it, and not at least a couple of years, not four games, but it's happening here and they got to stick with it and I think good things will come over the long haul once they do. Standing prosperity is so tough for teams that are just trying to turn the corner. We see that uh, play-to-play really from for Syracuse. You could you know, you score a big touchdown, but then if you have a, a penalty associated with it or something like that, that's what keeps you from clearly turning a corner and, and accelerating ahead uh, as uh, some of the teams that, that haven't figured out do. And, and Murph, uh, next up here, you know, and I know you don't want to get too far ahead, but you got a Bengals team that's really struggling to, uh, 
they do come off a win. The Bucks just sweeping, squeaking by on a last-second field goal against the Giants. The Jets, Saints, Chargers all ahead. This could uh, potentially get some momentum going here for the Bills. Matt, didn't you just hear me talk about a week, I week, did, league a minute said, ago? You said, <laughs> Look, not I know, I'm not, as I said, it's not coach speak saying, uh, you know, one game at a time or focus, you know, on to Cincinnati. But I do think that situ- the situations, team situations change on a week to week basis. You know, the Bills situation is different now than it was a week ago. Sure, they won in Atlanta, a, a solid win over a quality opponent, but they've got issues now with, uh, you know, injuries at the wide receiver spot and a starting linebacker with a, with a hand injury. He's going to be out for a while and a couple of other players banged up. And those situations go on in 31 other NFL outposts, and it changes week to week. And so, yeah, I mean, as, as the Bengals game approaches, we'll have a better feeling of how these teams are going and what they're going to do. But I, I just I, – I'm reluctant to – I know people who sit down I – mean, I do it. I'll, I'll confess. I do it when the schedule comes out and, you know, take out a pen and go WWL, WWL. Sure. And you're doing that in April. I think it's a fool's errand. I think even if you're doing it in September, it's, it's kind of foolish because stuff changes very quickly in the league, and it's – mostly about injuries it's about injuries and how people are playing and and uh and how the and as i said how the people that uh, you're playing or how their opponents are playing too it changes everything so um i i'm, I'm going to kind of temper that a little bit and just say let's see what happens next sunday no, i know that's I'm not fun it. but that's yeah. what i'm going to do well it takes the fun out of it too for me like, <laughs> I, like no, yeah. I, i'm saying the other way i don't like going into game day having it figured out I, that's the appeal of it you, you love right. that uh, anything can happen on game day and you've got another one we'll hear it on k-rock on sunday as the bills take on the bengals uh, in cincinnati then go into a bye week and we'll finish on this murph uh, we've got your Atlanta counterpart, Wes Durham, uh, coming into town to do the uh, Pittsburgh game yeah. on television. And and I think we'll have Wes on uh, later in the week. We've already touched on the stadium briefly, but uh, what would you think? I liked it. i tell you one quick thing about Wes. I was talking to him yet, uh, you know, at the game on Sunday in Atlanta, and he mentioned how he, he struggles in uh, the Dome in Syracuse. I said, why? And he said, because it's always too darn warm in there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy from the South complaining about being too warm in Syracuse. He'll but, get over it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was a, it's a spectacular place. Um, I was surprised there weren't more fans there in general. I was uh, not less surprised about the number of Buffalo fans there on Sunday against the Falcons. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of transplants there. A lot of people traveled there for that game, and that's always fun when you win one on the road and and the, the opponents fans get <laughs> to go down and and cheer on their team at the end of the game. You know, it's a, it's a show place. It's uh it's you know you know the location right downtown Atlanta. It's um. It's a great place to watch a game, but there's something missing. I don't know what it is. I mean, they had the roof closed on a beautiful day. I think they've struggled a little bit with uh, the mechanism that opens and closes the roof in that uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and that's unfortunate because it was a beautiful 76-degree uh, game day. Um, there's just something missing. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the Falcons not playing that well. Well, it was also missing high concessions prices, which i got to give them credit right. for that. So that, that's a yeah. good thing, and uh, we'll look to see how that develops because there's going to be a lot of uh, college and pro football games there. Yep. So uh, good stuff. Excited for you guys uh, in the Western part of the state we appreciate your time uh, john and, and uh, look forward to catching up again okay thanks a lot man good talking with you that's john murphy voice of the buffalo bills the bills are three and one on the top the afc east more in the booth as we continue on espn radio syracuse syracuse returns home saturday to battle rival pittsburgh pregame at 10 30 catch syracuse football all season long on tk99 at espn am 1200 This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Fans podcasts on iTunes now, representing the ESPN Syracuse Library of Programming. You can sign in on iTunes and subscribe to get the best of 
our show sent straight to your phone or computer. You can listen anytime to Orange Nation in the booth or on the block at iTunes. You also can beat us regularly in fantasy football, flog us on a weekly basis, especially those of us that don't even think the draft teams until it's too late. Play fantasy football with our salary cap league. Join ESPNSyracuse.com. Click on the fantasy football picture there on the homepage and enter for your chance to win. Thanks to all of our guests on the show today, Tim Benz and John Murphy. Bill Hillgrove talking pit football tomorrow. For Polly, Joe, all of you, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.